Good stuff. Well, uh, Merry Christmas. We can still say that. I know we're, we're beyond Christmas, but I was trying to figure out what the cutoff is. And I think that you can say Merry Christmas up until the weekend after Christmas. All right. Like meaning the first weekend of January, because even New Year's, there's still that Christmas spirit. People aren't into work week and all that. So it's completely appropriate. Merry Christmas. Uh, I hope your Christmas season was absolutely wonderful with family and friends and whatever you may have been doing for the last couple of days. I know in our house, it was exciting. Uh, I love Christmas. I always have loved Christmas, but Christmas is so much better when you have small children in the house. Uh, we have a six, a four, and an almost two-year-old, and there's something about Christmas morning. I would say this. I, I don't know how much I've done right as a parent, but my kids woke up at 8.30 on Christmas morning, so we're doing something good. Um, hearing all these stories, uh, last night somebody was like, our kids were up at six o'clock, and I was like, I'm going to pray for you. Um, there's not many things I can do at six o'clock, but um, we, we had an awesome time. I, I love how excited they get about everything. Everything they open is just the, the coolest thing in the world, and it's, it's so much fun to, to watch that. Um, I can't believe that here we are at the end of, of 2015. Um, it's been a crazy year. I was just even thinking through as I was preparing for this, all that God has done in 2015. And um, when you think about it, we, this, this room wasn't built. We had a lower ceiling. Uh, I would technically be standing outside right now um, in, in 2015 as far as where the remodel that happened here. Um, actually, I wouldn't be standing outside. I would have been at the Egan campus still in 2015 when we started. And uh, just the, the craziness that 2015 was even in our our lives, but not just physically, but where God has taken us spiritually in 2015. I remember um, hearing Pastor Rob start the year with this, this vision of greater. And it wasn't just like a catchphrase, like, hey, this is a cool word that we can throw out and kind of church it up. Uh, but it was definitely a vision and hearing him, him passionately say, I believe that God is going to take us in this year into a greater presence of, of himself and into a greater presence of God. And, um, and then just kind of walking back through the years as I was just kind of replaying the year in my life, um, there's been so much that God has done in a spiritual realm through my own life and through our church when we start uh, listing the healings that happened in our Made Well series and we uh, look at a greater presence of God and, and greater gifts of wisdom through, through the summer even. And it was just an amazing time as, as I look back to realize how far God has brought in us, not just physically as a church, but spiritually. And... Um, it's just a fun, fun little walk down memory lane. And then uh, I started shifting to, to, to go, all right, what are we going to speak on here in this forgotten weekend of the year? Because we're after Christmas. We're not quite to 2016, so we're not quite ready for like vision of 2016, although I encourage you to come back next week because it's going to be amazing. But you're like, so that, that, that time in between, that weekend in between, do you go back to Christmas? Do you go into the new year? Nobody really knows. And um, as I was reading through uh, the Christmas story, I also realized that there's, there's almost some forgotten parts of the Christmas story. And not the Christmas story itself, but there's a time between Christmas and Egypt that, that isn't get, doesn't get talked about a lot. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But we're going to do it uh, through that mindset of, of greater gifts. We're going to do it through that mindset of there's so many spiritual gifts that happen in that moment from Christmas, from the manger, until God calls Mary and Joseph to Egypt. And that's what we're going to kind of dive into today. Um, we, we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 2. 
Because Luke chapter 2 is that, that chapter that we all read for Christmas and, and it's great and they go to Bethlehem and baby's born and placed in a manger and the shepherds come and it's wonderful and then the shepherds go home and they go home rejoicing and telling everyone what they've seen and, and at, literally at that moment it's like we close the Bible, we pray and we go and open gifts. Like that's where we think chapter 2 ends. But it doesn't. It continues on and, and we're going to dive into the second half of Luke chapter 2. Then we're going to jump over to Matthew for a little bit and talk about the account there of Jesus' birth and just take a look at some of the other uh, characters and players that are there that are, that are a part of this Christmas story that we don't talk about much because I believe God does some amazing things. After the shepherds leave, Mary and Joseph take baby Jesus to Jerusalem to the temple to be dedicated. Luke chapter 2. Uh, quick sidebar for you. I know we talk a lot when we either do uh, water baptisms or baby dedications about why we do that. Luke chapter 2 is the scripture reference for that. We see in this moment where Mary and Joseph take baby Jesus to the temple to be dedicated to the Lord for the work that God has for them. But Jesus even himself gets baptized later in life. We believe that dedication is something that the parents say, we thank you for the gift of this child. We want to dedicate this child to the service of God. And water baptism is something that when uh, we're old enough to say, you know what, we believe we've made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of our life. We want to go through the waters of baptism. Scripture references there in Luke chapter 2. Just after that, though, as you see them walk into the temple, uh, we're going to pick up in verse 25 as they meet a man called Simeon. It says this, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what was custom of the law required, Simon, or Simeon took him into his arms, praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people in Israel. There's a few things about Simeon in this moment. Um, first of all, we notice that he's a righteous man. He's, he's already got a reputation of, of a guy who is close to God's heart. It says the Holy Spirit is on him even in this moment. But there's a few things that, that I hope our lives can capture that we can be like Simeon in. And the first thing is this, is he followed the prompt. I know that's an entire series that Pastor Rob preached. And if you want to go back and listen to all of that, you can. But there's something about following the prompt of God on your life. When the Holy Spirit moves you, are you willing to actually follow and go? I love that it, it points out specifically in here, moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. I think there's times in our life where, where God is trying to move us into a place where he wants to either sit us front row or use our giftings in, in something that's there. But, but we almost we try and figure out if it's God, is he prompting us or is it just ourselves? And, and in doing so, we almost drag our feet in it. I love that Simeon, being prompted and moved by the Spirit, ends up in the temple court so that God can use him. I would say this, in our own lives, allow God to move you. Don't be so set and, and just stuck where you're at to where you're going, you know what? God, if you, if you bring it here, 
If you bring it here, I'll do whatever you want. Or if you, if you bring my mission field to me, or if you, if you bring your calling to me, then, then I'm good with that, but don't move me. And too often we, we have that attitude. And we see here with Simeon, I love that moved by the spirit, he went into the temple court so that he could be there and witness all that God has for him. One of my fears in life is getting to heaven someday and seeing this highlight reel, if you will, of this, these amazing things that happened and then finding out that that was actually what God had planned for me, but I didn't walk into it. And saying it, 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 it's, it's, it's a fear that, that God had so much more, but uh, whether it was my own flesh and I, I didn't know if it was of God, so I waited and I stalled and, and I don't want to be that guy. I want to get to heaven and be like, man, God, thank you for placing me on the front row so that I could see all that you had for me in life. And I, that's my prayer for us even that, that we're a people that, that follows that prompt that goes after the moment that the spirit starts to move us, we, we move into what God has for us. I believe that God has amazing things set up and then it's just us letting the Holy Spirit move us into them. And I think the second thing is be ready once you're there. Be ready in the moment because it's not like God just moved him there to be there to watch Jesus walk past, but in the moment he sprung into action. It says he took the baby in his arms. Um, just again, as a new father, I was trying to remember back of, of how I would have responded in this moment if I were in Joseph's shoes. I remember bringing Brody, our oldest, home from the hospital and literally thinking, wait a second, he's two days old and you're sending him home. What do I do with him now? Like he, I have to, he doesn't do much for himself. He can't even hold his head up. Like there was, there was, there was a moment for me uh, where, where you're like, I, I, I don't know. There's not a training manual that comes with this. They don't send you home with anything. It's probably even worse when you have a child that's born in a barn and there's no doctors around. And um, so I'm, 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 I'm trying to think, how would he have responded? If I'm this nervous with Brody, how much more nervous would Joseph have been with the Messiah? All right, like I realize that Brody isn't going to be the savior of the world uh, and yet that pressure is on Mary and Joseph. And even in that, we, I remember the first time we came to church, uh, again, you're, you're overly trying to figure it all out with your first and you're like, I don't know what's gonna happen. And I remember having the conversation even with Amber and we're like, man, we're pastors, so we have, to, we have to go to church, but maybe if we just leave him in his car seat, then people won't try and pick him up and touch him as much. Uh, just so you know, that's what people sometimes do. Um, if there's a child in a car seat, don't try and pick them up. Uh, the secondly is we're like, maybe, maybe like if they come with like three months of medical records to make sure they weren't sick, like I just, how, how do you, but instead you see Simeon, he goes and takes the baby in his arms. He's ready to spring into action and say, this is a moment that I cannot miss in, in my life. This is the, the savior of the world, even as a baby that God has promised that I will see. He springs into action and I encourage us I hope that we are the type of people that when God calls us into a place and we're prompted to go there, that we're ready for action when we get there. We're ready to do what God has called us there to do. I know even twice in the last two weeks, um, I've been praying about meetings. It's been one of the things is I've, I've looked at the last year and I've realized this greater presence and, and what God has called us to do. Um, I've, I've, I've changed a little bit and I'll take time before meetings to, to pray about the meeting and the person that I'm about to meet with, even, even if they're friends or whatever, and say, God, is there anything that you would have me to say to them? Is there anything that they need? Well, I, don't, I, it, I hope it's not correction because that's no fun, but if it's encouragement, anything like that, God, if you want, if you want I'll do it. And um, 
I had a meeting just this last week where, where I felt like God had put something on my heart to say to the, the person that I was having lunch with. And we got there and, and I was, gotta be honest with you, I was nervous because I was like, I don't know how he's gonna receive this. Is this gonna go over well? Is he gonna go crazy and like flip the table over and leave? Um, and I just, I, I just said, hey, I was praying about this meeting today and I don't know what this means, but I, I feel like God wants me to tell you this. And I told him, and there's that, uh, that not, not awkward, but there's that moment where, where you feel your flesh rise up like, is this, is this God or not? And um, I watched his eyes well up and he's like, this is exactly what I needed today. Don't even know what, what you, you don't even know what I've been going through, but I, this is exactly what I needed. And uh, it was in that moment where I was able to be like, here's the deal. I pray coming into these meetings now. I believe that God speaks to us and I believe that God wants to speak to you you take that wherever you want. It wasn't like a, oh, also thus saith the Lord. It was a, hey, it was a moment where you can even, you can take that and say, God wants to speak in your life and be a part of it. But there's a part of stepping out and being ready when God calls you to that moment, when God gets you in the situation, in the place as he's prompted you to, to respond the way that God has called you to respond. And I hope that we're, we're a church, I hope that we're, we're a, a, a body of believers, that when we get into places like that where God has prompted us into those moments, that we're people that are ready for action, that we're ready to go. And after Simeon is there, it, it, Luke continues and we, we meet Anna. It says in verse 36, it says, there was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Penuel, who was of the tribe of Asher. She was very old and she lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. A few things that we uh, see about Anna, even in these couple of verses here. Number one, She's a prophet. It says right off the bat that she's, she's a prophet who spent time in the church constantly. She's the epitome of the church lady. All right, so whatever you've thought in your mind of typical church lady, whether it be church lady that you may know of here, whether it be Dana Carvey from Saturday Night Live, um, this is what church lady looks like, is, is, is Anna from, from Luke. And I love that in this moment, um, she's already at the temple. She's the type of person who's already hanging out at the temple. It says that she's there day and night. And it dawned on me, even in this moment, that there are people in this church that are Annas in this church. There are people who have, who have devoted themselves to God. There's people who, who have, have been a part of this church body for a long time. They're here, they're serving all the time. But more than that, they have a prophetic gifting on their life. They've gone after God and in their, their spiritual giftings, they understand and they know. And my encouragement is to lean into those people. Get around those people. I've always noticed that one of the things I love about going to, whether it's church conferences or other churches and stuff like that, is I love surrounding myself with spiritual giants. For some reason, they just push me further than I ever thought that I could go on my own. And I think it's one of the things that we need to do is, is surround ourselves with spiritual giants. Get into their lives, figure out um, their, their, their prayer life and figure out what God has spoken to their lives. I remember I was riding in a car with Dick Brogdon, amazing missionary, amazing missionary. And um, I'm, I'm riding in the car with him and, and just said, you know, how do you do what you do? And it, as plain as day, he said, uh, spend the first two hours of my day with Jesus. And there was almost that conviction in the moment of going, it literally, it was, it was so routine to him. He was like, I'm not doing anything special. I'm getting to know the voice of God and I'm doing what he tells me to do. That's about it. 
I, I spent my first two hours of the day with Jesus. And in that moment, I thought to myself, I need to hang out with people like this. I need to hang out with people that challenge me to do more, to go further, to, to lean into God more than even I do right now. Um, and I'd, I'd encourage you to do that. As he, one of those people in my life is, is Pastor Rob. If you haven't gone online and checked out the, the, great, or the Greater Gifts bonus sermon, it's actually a teaching that he did on speaking in tongues to, to our entire staff. We have an all staff once a month. And he just felt led by the Spirit to say, hey, I want to tell all of you, whether you're pastors on staff, whether you're interns that are about to be pastors, everybody who, who makes River Valley tick in that moment, he just said, I'm just going to tell you how I use the, the, the gifting of speaking in tongues. It's an amazing teaching. I encourage you to go online. You can go on our media section. It's the bonus series for greater gifts. But it's stuff like that that I... That, that I that I lean into. We as a church should lean into and be like, we need to get around people like Anna. We need to get around people in our church and strive to be greater. I hope that my legacy, when I'm done on this life or, or 84 years old as Anna was, it talks about in, the, in this passage, I hope that they're saying he's a guy who hangs out at church all the time, devoted himself to prayer and fasting and had a prophetic gifting on his life. How amazing would that be? What an awesome reputation would that be? But to get that, you have to lean into people that are already there so that you can, uh, you can be a part of all of that. Jumping over to Matthew chapter two, um, we, we see this exact same story. We see the story of the birth of Jesus. And um, this is where we, we find the wise men. And uh, it's, I always, and I, I try and figure out if it's I'm trying to be theologically correct or if I'm just trying to tell people that they're wrong. Um, I don't know. It might be a little bit of the flesh rising up in me. Um, but the wise men were not, at actually, were not at the manger. Despite what your nativity scene at home may tell you, uh, mine too, I put them there because they just, they look so good in the middle of it. Um, but really they showed up uh, probably when Jesus was around two years old. But even with that, I was like, do I talk about it? Because we talk about the wise men all the time during Christmas. And um, so they're not really forgotten people. They're not like, they're, they're, they're at the forefront of most of these stories already. Uh, but something dawned on me as I was reading through Matthew chapter 2, as I was reading Matthew's account of it, um, that, that just kind of rocked my world a little bit about the wise men. The wise men show up, as I said, when he's about two years old. And they give expensive gifts and they worship this boy. And I'm thinking about even my own household, my, my youngest, my little girl's 21 months old. And while she's absolutely adorable and while she's I, I'm, I'm absolutely wrapped around her finger, uh, there's not a point where I'm planning on laying down the authority of the household to my two-year-old little girl yet. Yet, these men, in the midst of it all, lay down their crowns and worship a two-year-old boy. And it just, it, it, was, it was a picture that, that maybe I hadn't, hadn't thought of before, that hadn't, hadn't seen before in scripture. Um, but this concept of, of men of stature worshiping a boy who in that day and age hadn't done anything yet. I mean, yes, we, we know he's fulfilled prophecies and, and as, as, uh, as Christians and, and studying the Bible, you know how much has already happened uh, by his birth and, and that's already gone on, that's fulfilled prophecies. But in the minds of most people that are looking at Jesus as a small boy in that moment, he hasn't done anything yet. And this thought came to me, call it conviction, if you will, from the Holy Spirit, that said, do, said really, Brandon, do you worship me? Do you worship God? because of what I've done or because of who I am. This is a moment 
in scripture where Jesus hasn't done anything yet. It's not the Jesus who's come off the cross. It's not the Jesus who's, who's overcome death in the grave. This is a boy who, yes, he's going to do all of that, but already the wise men are laying down their crowns and worshiping him. And I thank God for how good he is. I thank Jesus for the sacrifice that he made. And I, I even in my mind, I can't separate um, the rest of his life with this, but I pray and I hope that, that I worship God because of who he is, not just because of how good he's been to me. I love that he's my savior, but he's also my Lord. And we talk about Jesus being Lord and savior of our lives. Savior is great. Everyone needs a savior. That's the fun part. But would he be Lord of your life anyway? I'm so glad we don't have to separate it. I'm so glad we don't have to think about it. But it was just one of those moments to me that, that even here in this moment, these, these men had the gift of faith. They knew what was coming. They worshiped him because of, of who he was, but also because of who he was going to be in their lives. And I thank God that, that I can worship God even in this moment for what he's done in my life, for who he is, but yet also for what he's still planning on doing in my life. The baby Jesus here in this moment that they worshiped, the two-year-old in this moment is the exact same person. And it's the 33-year-old who's going to be walking out of the grave saying, I've overcome death in the grave. How amazing is it of these wise men to be worshiping God for exactly who he is. And then we get into to Mary and Joseph. Right after that, we, we see the angel coming and saying, uh, saying to Joseph in verse 13 of chapter 2 in Matthew, it says, when they had gone, meaning the wise men, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Staying there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Um, I love all of the movement in these last couple of verses. I mean, when you think about it, we, in our minds, I feel like there's times where we just expect Mary and Joseph to hang out in, in Bethlehem for a while. Like, you just had a baby, like, take a load off, just, just hang out for a little bit. But immediately, they're on the move, and then you find out even later, uh, they're on the move once again. They're on the move here, and it's not like it's a, hey, just jump cities for a little bit. Uh, and I think sometimes we can throw around biblical cities if we haven't been to the area, and, and it's just kind of, oh, he went from here to there. And it was like, no, no, no. He literally was called from the Middle East to Northern Africa. All right, this wasn't like a, hey, honey, we're going to go on a road trip today. Um, this, is, this is middle of the night taking off. It's just, it's, it's amazing to me to realize that as, as cute as that picture in our nativity scene is, it's not a postcard for anyone in that picture. It's a launching pad. From that moment when people see and realize who Jesus was, they take off into their potential and what God has called them to do. And the same should be true for us. Verse 14, uh, I love that he says, and in the middle of the night, they got up and left. Um, maybe it's, it's the guy in me. Maybe it's, it's I, just excitement and I've watched too many movies, but I, I've always kind of wanted to have that moment in my life where it's like the secret mission that shows up in the middle of the night and I lean over and like give Amber a kiss and be like, I'm leaving. I can't tell you where I'm going, but I promise it'll be like, I don't know why it just seems like it's fun. And then, and then here we are in this moment. It's like the middle of the night. They're, they're, they're sneaking off to Egypt and, and getting out. And I was like, 
How often do we sometimes talk about Christianity and talk about safety and we, we have uh, not River Valley Church, but church across the world that have this, have this like almost stigma that it's like we're the conservative people that we, we don't take chances and we don't move much. And you're like, no, are you kidding me? When I look through scripture, they're on the move constantly. They're constantly like, it's adventure, it's exciting. They're, they're sneaking out in the middle of the night when you read through even, even the New Testament when, when angels are showing up and then jail cells are busting open and earthquakes are happening. You're like, no, 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 that's what Christianity is all about. It's exciting and it's going. And it's, I, I love that even in the middle of that moment, this is where I, it was, it was in the middle of the night, getting up and saying, we've got to go to Egypt now. It's not like a, hey, we should probably plan for this trip. It's going to be a long time or a long ways away. And I'm not really sure when we're coming back. Uh, but instead, it's like they got up and they go in that moment. And it, it's, it's crazy to me that so often we try and drag our feet for big moments like that. But the truth is, and it was a, a quote from Don Cherie Wilkerson. She was one of the speakers for our, our uh, Sparkle Conference. And she said, delayed obedience is still disobedience. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. How many times in life do we, we try and throw out a fleece and we try and question God and we're like, I don't know, God, is that really where you want me to go? In this moment, Joseph had no other, no other option. It's literally the king is going to come and try and kill him. So you need to get the baby in and your wife and get out of here. It's exciting. And, it's, and I, I hope that we're the type of people that are ready at any moment for action. We're ready to spring into what God has for us. And then in verse 15, um, it says, and so it was fulfilled. And so it was fulfilled that the prophecy that I would call my son up from Egypt. I love reading through Matthew. Just so, just so you know, Matthew, uh, where he writes his book, the gospel, the, the story of Jesus Christ and his life. He writes it to the Jewish people. The Jewish people who are still on the fence and they're trying to figure out, is Jesus really the Christ? Is Jesus who he said he was? Is he the Messiah or was he just a really good prophet? So over and over, when you read through the book of Matthew, you find a ton of those, and so it was fulfilled comments. Because what he's saying to the Jewish people is, okay, the prophecies that you already know, everything that you've, that you've read about this coming Messiah is fulfilled in Jesus. He's pointing out that all of the Old Testament was pointing their lives towards Jesus. Think about even the Old Testament, not just the prophecies, but when you read through the Old Testament, all of it points to Jesus. You've got creation, and then right after the fall of man, God has to come up with a plan to save the world because of, the, of his love. You see Noah. Noah's civilization gets to the point where it's so bad, God needs to start over, so he puts all of civilization, civilization on the shoulders of one man to start over again. You've got David and Goliath. You've got this, this unassuming little boy who walks out onto a battlefield, which everyone around you is like, this is sure death. There's no way that you're going to overcome this. But instead, by the power of God, overcomes what is sure death. And in doing so, frees the Israelite people, all of God's people. They get to walk in freedom out through the battlefield because of the sacrifice of this unassuming little boy. Even Samson, for all of his faults in life, um, ends up sacrificing his life to take out the Philistines which is a victory for God's people. All of it points to Jesus. And then the New Testament comes and all of the New Testament even points back to Jesus. 
You've got the moment in Acts where, where Jesus is, has risen from the dead and he's, he's talking for a while and, and then ascends to heaven and sends the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. But then the end of Acts chapter 2, people look up and they're like, this is crazy. These people are talking gibberish. And Peter steps up and gives the most amazing gospel presentation in scripture. And says, no, 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 this isn't weird. What happened was, and points everything back to Jesus. He is who he said he was. And through this, this is the fulfillment of all the prophecies. Yet you killed him, but that even fulfilled prophecies. And he overcame death in the grave, which fulfilled prophecies. Therefore, he is who he said he was. Right after that moment, it does say that 3,000 were added to their number. Just something real quick that you at the Apple Valley campus need to hear. I was reading this story to my boys this last week, and Brody and Grayson, four and six, uh, stopped me and said, Dad, we need to pray that 3,000 be added to the Apple Valley campus. And I was like, oh, that's cute. And Brody literally gave me this look like, no, no, no it's not cute. He's already done it once. He's going to do it again. We're going to pray. And it was even conviction in that moment where I was like, Let's do this, faith like a child. And I'm telling you what, they prayed down 3,000. So if you're ready for that, great. But the Levy boys are going after it. If you're not ready, brace yourself uh, because the Levy boys are going after it. But it's amazing even that pointing towards Jesus. Right after that, they walk out and, and they, they find the crippled beggar. And the beggar's sitting there asking for money and, and Peter looks down at him and says, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, stand up and walk. Even in the midst of healing, he's pointing back to Jesus. So my question today as we close is two things really. Number one, is your life pointing towards Jesus? I love Simeon and Anna coming into the story and already having a reputation of pointing towards God already being righteous? Is your life pointing towards Jesus? On this side of, of, of salvation, on this side of the cross, how much more so should our lives be pointing towards Jesus when even everybody in the Christmas story are pointing to Jesus? The second thing is, we've come out of, a, of an amazing year of greater. I believe that God has, has poured out his spirit in amazing ways on this church but throughout these passages, when the Holy Spirit gets poured out or, or the Spirit shows up or an angel shows up, it always causes movement. So number one is your life pointing towards Jesus. And number two, are you ready for what God is about to call you into in 2016? Are you willing to step out and say, God, I'm going to follow the prompt. I'm going to go after all that you have for me. No matter what it is, I'm going to, I'm, if it's middle of the night and I'm ready to go to Egypt, God, let me go. Are we ready to be a church? Because I believe that God doesn't just pour out his spirit so that we can sit around and go, hey, wasn't that great? And the warm fuzzies and that was awesome. He does it so that he can send us to take that spirit into the rest of the world. That's why we are here. So today we get to celebrate 2015. We get to look at some of these people in scripture, but at the same time, we get to commit to all that God is calling us to in 2016. So as we close, I'm gonna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I just wanna pray over you. And if you're ready, I'm not asking you to, to raise your hand in, in a form of salvation, but if you're saying, God, choose me. God, I'm ready to go. Just raise your hand and say, God, I'm in. I'm in. And I'm gonna pray over you as we close and we're gonna end real quick with just showing God all that he has done. God, I thank you for those of us whose hands are raised. I thank you for your, for your story of Christmas. I thank you for sending your son. But I also thank you for the, the realization that every person in that story, it wasn't just a postcard, it was a launching pad. And God, we here as a church, 
We wanna commit to two things today. Number one, we wanna have our lives point to you for all that you've done. God, I thank you for how good you are. But even more than that, I thank you for who you are. No matter what, we will point our lives towards you. And number two, I thank you for the gifts that you've poured out. I thank you for for all that you've done, spiritual giftings, Lord God, allowing us to walk into that and realize that, taking us to different depths and spiritual heights, Lord God. And God, we commit to not just sitting here and saying thank you for them, but taking them and using them for the advancement of your kingdom. God, allow us to be your church, to take your gospel around the globe. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.